listening to Sensemaking, a series of conversations with communication design students synthesizing how we make sense of the world, who we are and what we are. Working the alternative media space in the new normal era, hosted by Graham Newman. Hello. In this second of six programs, we're having a conversation about hypernormalization, a phrase coined by the British documentary filmmaker Adam Curtis. It argues that governments, financiers and technological utopians have, since the 1970s, given up on the complex real world and built a simpler fake world ran by corporations and kept stable by politicians. So if this is the case, what is the impact of cultural identity with young people? Can we recognise and acknowledge that the way young people interact with each other in the digital world and consider the disappearance of youth subcultures prevalent from the 1960s to the 1990s? If technology is then seen to have effects to bring about social and psychological transformations, How does this multimodal communication represent a new mode of community and belonging? Far from corrupting young people, should technology be seen as creating a generation that is more open, more democratic, more creative, and have more innovative than anything existing from previous generations? And has anything changed in the last 50 years? As America becomes increasingly detached from the rest of the world, should we reevaluate the role of their technology companies, banks, and political influence here in Thailand? If identity is developed by the individual, it has to be recognized and confirmed by collective peer groups. So, should we reevaluate social media as a virtue and not an evil for cultural identity to coalesce? In preparation for this conversation, the students watched part five of Curtis's 2021 series, Can't Get You Out of My Head, An Emotional History of the Modern World, and the reading, Introducing Identity, from the book Youth, Identity and Digital Media, edited by David Buckingham and published by MIT Press in 2008. And we're joined again by students from COMDI, the International Programme in Communication Design in the Faculty of Architecture at Chulalongkorn University here in Bangkok. With us today are Parmi, Mai, Fond, Gigi, Nub and Merce. Let's start by unpacking how cultural identity is constructed and experienced in the contemporary world amongst Generation Z. My question is this to you. Is individualization and collectivism made possible by digital technology? And could this be seen as an instance of much more general shifts in the way in which identity is defined and lived out in modern society? Yeah, I think um, in this day and age, especially if we talk about the LGBTQA plus community, where people are now, um, there's more people who identify as many different things or non-binary, and it's all made possible with uh, the internet and its communication, which allows for self-discovery, I think, and 
There's also communities that support each other and the people who identify the same way they do, which I think is also helpful and creates a support group for them. And I think it's growing to be many different things now. So uh, what I was talking about, like how, in, I mean, individualism and collectivism can be like caused by digital media. So I think it's entirely possible because I also feel like a sense of social media, for example, it's like where the intersection point of culture kind of meets. So people, I feel like, can have more of the self-discovery and find the middle ground where they're like comfortable with. Because I feel like a balance of being an individualistic and collectivist is kind of important. Oh, oh, I just wanted to say that um, just reflecting on like the past, how stereotypes and labels have been evolving. I think before we used labels to separate people, but now it's more of a spectrum, especially when we talk about masculinity and femininity. People are now like more tending towards like a spectrum rather than men having to be masculine, so women have to be feminine. And there's many, much more, many more labels that we can talk about. Um, but I think people are straying away from labels, especially in like relationships. They're no longer like boyfriend or girlfriend or open relationship. There's like so many different ways to define a relationship between two people now that is like even a friend is like, that has a different definition now than before. So the way that my generation, Generation Z, interacts and forms tribes and communities was fundamentally different in you know, a pre-internet era. I'm just curious how your generation, uh, how Gen Z interact with technology and form tribes and communities. Is it based around the countercultures of music and fashion or is it more focused towards an alignment of politics or gender or faith or ethnicity? Um. I think even though social media have allowed people to express themselves in um individualistic way, like people can express themselves in any kind on social media. But then again, I think somehow people try to go with the norm or like with the fashion on the social media instead of like being themselves as much. Yeah, I feel like, for example, if we were like to buy an iPhone, why would we want one? And I think it's more of like a collective thing because the media and like the technocratic kind of culture um, tries to force it on us to like, like the things that, you know, billions of other people's like, but even if, you know, we feel like, oh, this iPhone feels so special to us, but we don't know that millions and billions of other people are buying it. And it's kind of like in this technological world, as much as we feel like we are ourselves, but we actually share like, other passion and like things we like with other people. So it's actually like the government is trying to manipulate us to be like more similar and we're actually the same more than we think. I feel like um, our generation, it's like more easily connected through like the social media and stuff. But like, um, I feel like the things that like bring us together are not that like um, far away from like what people did in the past. Like we're still to the same, uh, the group of people that have like same interests, whether they are like musics, fashions, or like po even like politicals or like socials. And when it's come to like the social media, it's like become 
like more widespread and people can like get to like get to know like information about like every um, topics easier too. Um, in my opinion, I think that technology allows for a lot of self-discovery as was said before, but at the same time, I think that the more you discover, the more you also find out that there's a certain there's a certain thing that a lot of people like, which then I think encourages collectivism, and that, in my opinion, takes just takes a bit away from individuality. So I think there could be some pressure for, say, someone who is discovering themselves, even if they do find something that they relate to a group of people who share the same interests and supports them. There's also the other side of technology that pressures them in a certain direction. Yes, I don't think we can blame technology at all. I mean, every generation grows up adopting a particular technology that parents feel isolated from. It could be the cassette mixtape. It could be the seven-inch record that we looked at with the emergence of subcultures. You are the first technologically literate generation, and many parents feel quite ostracized and quite quite frightened about that but I believe that common sense prevails with these things you have common sense with whether or not to uh, engage with certain categories and certain topics in social media so I would argue that technology is actually an enabler and your your discourse the way that you communicate I think is far more developed than than Gen Z's online chat for example and instant messaging require very specific skills in language and interpersonal communication you guys naturally know how to read subtle nuances often on the basis of minimal cues and you have to learn the rules and etiquette of online communication through text and emojis and this is something that's completely alien to us so you're very very adapted and very intelligent looking at the kind of meta narrative of these very subtle communication messages um also i feel like maybe like there's like a split between the last generation and the now generation because i feel like um there's like a kind of disconnect between these two because of like difference in technology and difference in like life circumstances and everything. But I feel like there's also like communities can be formed in like any generation or at all because I feel like the sense of social identity is very fundamental to how we see ourselves. So being in a community makes us feel like belongs and feels special in a kind of way. Yeah. I think technology kind of helped with that a bit more because we can connect to a lot of people. Do you think anything's changed over the last 50 years? Uh, you guys communicate through smartphones. We used to hang out in record shops. I mean, I don't see a huge amount of difference. I think that there's definitely like less need to commit to something for a long time. For example, like like you discussed with us, like the different subcultures that we identified with. But in this generation, there's just so many platforms like um, Discord or Clubhouse where you can just enter a forum, start a forum and exit it anytime. So it's pretty much like more fluid. Um, I think in terms of if, if we compare how technology is involved in terms of content versus in terms of communication, the content part has evolved much faster than the communication part, I think, because like before in the past, you will use SMS and stuff. But now we still use line and it's pretty much almost the same sort of um, communication compared to how 
um, like YouTube or all the other like content platforms have evolved, which is why I think that from my experience, going back to the question of music and um, fashion, I think I, from my experience with a friend group who is in Steve band, which is like um, a group of musicians, people who like the same taste of music tend to gravitate towards each other. While um, in a different friend group, people who share the same lifestyle tend to group together. So I think it really depends on the, the main thing that they're in. And also political thoughts, I think also have effect. We just watched the part five of the Adam Curtis documentary, uh, Can't Get You Out of My Head. I'm just curious whether that informed anything from you, given that Curtis's argument is that there is this uh, fake world run by corporations and technology companies kept stable by politicians. This is obviously written by someone of my generation reflecting on what's been leading up to where we are now and why we are here and, and, and unpacking why we are here with a view to actually um, ha having some conversations about how we can progress in the future. What was your take on that documentary? And do you think that that has given you some insights into where we are now? I feel like it certainly informs it that there's this very everlasting effect of imperialism on like people mindset and everything and people in power wanting to maintain the status and like the their um their perceived power so um but i feel i also feel like people just feel what they cannot control and predict towards like how people are trying to manipulate and induce like propaganda and delusional thoughts into them for me i think that it is it, it makes me more aware of how many people are sort of very patriotic or like very like you know to the country and also how we tend to go to political figures in due to fear or like a strong emotion such as anger or hatred but mainly fear is used as like the main thing to get people to vote for them without any reasoning which i think is something that people should be more aware of and self-reflects, I guess. For me, um, I think that the documentary definitely informs us a lot. And it also shows kind of, um, it shows us what goes on behind the scenes, the strings that were being pulled to get us to where we are. And it also shows how political figures, they, the kind of power they use to influence people to choose them or the actions they take in order to make sure that the people try to follow a certain status quo. From, from a Gen Z point of view of students in higher education in Bangkok, do you believe that Western democracies are still the future? Well, I think this is a very fragile topic and um, democracy have been used and wisely in many European countries. It's but when using in Asian countries, some countries like China, they don't use democracy at all. I think this might depend on geographic location, but it's really, it's nothing, I think there's nothing 100% like promises that democracy will be right or communism will be right. So I think there's no right or wrong, there's no better. 
I also feel like, like even though like they will um the team more crazy for it, it doesn't claim that they're going to be like the best um country with a democracy, democratic something like that. Because like for example, even in like the you know, United States of America, where the like um democratic democracy and there's a lot still have a lot of like Asian hate or like the racist toward like. Um, black people, or even like um, Asian people, like that we see, we always like see in the news. So I think it's um, something that like should be like always developing. Not like it's something that's um, it's not gonna stop at the present. It's something that people need to like develop and like um, recognize more. Oh, um, from my understanding, I think even right now or in the past, um, the United States isn't a full democracy, as people vote for the Senate and then the Senate vote for the president. So I I feel like um, hopefully it will be more democratic in the future, where the popular votes or the um, we don't rely on the Senate too much. I think. If people are more educated in terms of that, that would be great for the democracy. On uh, on Mer's point, I think um, in the state, the democracy, um, the president have more power than we know, and like the power is even far more than what democracy should be. So yeah, I mean, the president have the power to like authorize himself and everything. Well, one could argue that's not too dissimilar to the situation we are in at the moment, although I don't want to steer this discussion into um, where we are politically at the moment in Bangkok. I am very interested in looking at the allegiances and affiliations towards technology and technology companies, and these are dominated by Apple and Google, Facebook. These are all American tech companies, okay? And we trust them implicitly. We buy their products and we have intimate conversations on their platforms. So my question to you would be, what if these tech companies are all Chinese? Would you trust them? I think TikTok is Chinese, so... Okay. So what's what's your perception of using TikTok versus an American technology? Or do you is it just a, a, a fluid experience? Do you have any conscious decision about the national interest of the technology that you're using? In the state, there's like the whole government who are working against this giant tech company and suing and like. But in China, where everything is communist, we don't really know what's going on in there. But like we can see the news of U.S. government suing Facebook and like in the corner and stuff all the time. From my perspective, I find it really ironic in a way because. Um, uh, I read the news where people in the U.S. are very scared, and like politicians want TikTok out because of the data they consume. But if we look at the policies, Facebook and TikTok gathers the same exact data, which is which people have no problem with Facebook. But since TikTok is from China, people in the U.S. are very scared because of this, even though they're the exact same thing presented in a different way. So, yeah, I think that there is some prejudice that comes when to in terms of when it's a different country, and yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like there's this sense of like deeply rooted racism that's like rooted from years ago when imperialism and like the Soviet Union and everything. So I think that's interesting. And also, I'd like to add a point that Chinese actually have their own social medias, like Weibo's and Laughter to like replicate Twitter and Tumblr, like they just replace completely. And some people in China just use Chinese social medias now instead of like American made ones. The last point I want to discuss coming back to identity and how Gen Zs interact with technology and form peer groups uh, and and collective points of view is framed around learning and how do you learn. As design students, we have the world's knowledge at our fingertips. We can talk specifically about communication design. There's so many references that we can draw on. But in in terms of pedagogy, how we teach, I would love to know more about how you learn um, I feel like as like a design student, when we are like learning by ourselves, we also like gravitate to what a topic that we're interested in. Like for example, if some people like um interested in like graphic designs, they're going to be like um research and like working more on that part. So it's kind of like um um also like gravitate toward like a group of people or like group of culture too. I feel like that. I think in the time where information is everywhere, it is important for the science student to provide accurate information because we are the one who making all the media. Well, it's I think it's important because we're not just doing graphic design, we're doing communication design and therefore I believe it's you know healthy to like try everything and to try everything you can learn what you're going to um be most interested at and you're gonna be best at. And that's part of like finding your identity. So you've got to try before you discover what you like. Yes, I think it's also a pursuit of the truth, isn't it? Not necessarily agreeing or taking for granted what you're being taught by your Arjans. You have the ability to counter-argue and pursue the truth in terms of communication design. I mean, I, I would I would push that even further and consider that we have opportunities to look at the real facts not necessarily design, but everything that's going on in the world. I was very troubled by uh, the part of the documentary talking about uh, OxyContin being distributed in the 1970s. And I see a direct relation between that and the mRNA active COVID vaccines that we are being pushed as opposed to the inactive Sinopharm, Sinovax. And it just seems that not only adding to our continuing list of industries on our watch list, as well as the finance, the finance houses, politicians, and the tech companies, we should also include pharmaceutical companies. Um, I think that's a very important point to include pharmaceutical companies, because especially in the COVID period, having access to vaccines is you know incredibly important and i think that personally from my in my opinion i think we should look at all the information that's available out there and then come to our decision whether we would like to take say this type of vaccine or this type of vaccine not just go in the direction that we're kind of being pushed to go in Okay, final final point, and I'd like to hear from all of you. Just a final wrap-up. Could you summarise your opinion on hypernormalization and your opinion on cultural identity within the digital media space, please? 
Okay, so I feel like we still have like like a awareness of what's going on and the hypernormalization of Western political power is trying to control us. But um, I feel like we also have like better awareness and education nowadays than before. So like filtering contents that would have been beneficial and reliable is very crucial to how we are learning. So my final thoughts on hypernormalization and cultural identity. I think that the, within um, digital, the digital media space, we have so much room to self-discover ourselves. And with this, we can find out what we like, which identities we would like to associate ourselves to. And to the point about hypernormalization, I think that there could be some force that all certain trends that the majority of people follow, which could lead to hypernormalization. But at the same time, I think technology is a place where everyone has an equal right to their voice. There is no one to stop you. You have an equal right to say, post something to voice your opinion to the world. And I think that's also a very important aspect. Um, I think in the digital era, the media have allowed different culture to express and show themselves in a way never before. And um, in this time, many culture will have we um, you have opportunity to explore many culture. I think that um, we're less aware, we're not as aware of how much hyper hyper normalization affects us, especially since like we usually think that the people in power are the politicians. But I believe that the true the true people of power are the ones who have the money or big corporations that give the politicians the power. For example, like um, Santa Claus, the, the tale that we, we've known as a child was created by Coca-Cola to sell more Coke. And the, the idea of the breakfast being the most important meal of the day was created by Kellogg's cornflakes, as well as our fear of like eating fat makes you fat was created by the sugar industry in order to lead people away for their for them to succeed. So I think money really plays a big part in hypernormalization. And I think that that we should be more aware of that in the future. So like um I feel like um in this uh present time where we are like connect with different peoples and like different cultures, we are more exposed to like um the information and like truths. So I feel like we should be like more awake and like self-conscious about um, things that going on and like um, also like uh, speak up or like voice up the thing that you should be doing too. Um, we all know that there is a plethora of media that we constantly consume every single day in front of our screens. And as much as the media connects people together, it can create divided opinions and to, to be able to choose um, which opinions you, you will side with, it depends on, you have to train um, critical thinking, you have to teach yourself and practice to question the media, politics, the government constantly, and you know checking your facts with multiple media, not just like relying on this narrow-minded, like one article that's written by you know government-controlled 
um, website or cables? Um, okay, so I feel like technology is Gen Z's new way to express ourselves, and it has both uh, positives and negatives. And Gen Z are very involved in politics. However, the adults don't take us seriously and blame us for being involved most of the times. But they're the same ones that are making worse decisions and do not listen to our logical new solutions to the problems. And that's it for this week. Many thanks to contributions from Parmi, Mai, Fond, Gigi, Zebo, Nub, and Merce from Chulalongkong University. To find out more about the program, visit Comde, that's C-O-M-M-D-E dot com. And join us next time when we will be discussing the fourth order of design, cybernetics and systems thinking, challenging wicked problems in Southeast Asia. From me, Graham Newman, many thanks for listening.